الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعد أما بعد آمن الله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وذر الظاهر الإثم وباطنه سبحان ربك من إذك أما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم سمي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد المبارك وسلم As almost everyone would have heard by now because all of the ulama and the shaykh stress this repeatedly that the core essence of Tazkiyah is for a person to leave all sin entirely and yes there was a time when there were some people who mashallah had left sins in their life and they embarked on another type of journey of Tazkiyah which is for Qurub and Marifat to get intimate nearness in Allah SWT deep knowledge of Allah SWT drowning in the depths of love for Allah SWT and it also happens that during the process of Tazkiyah while trying to rid ourselves of sin while trying to make tawbah from sin, during that process, also, a person can fall in love with Allah Taala, make a lot of zikr, experience some qurb, some nearness, taste the sweetness of iman in their heart. And when it happens during the process, that means that all of these things can happen while they might still be stuck in and continuing in some particular sin, and it might happen while they may have left the sin, but they still have a longing for the sin, attraction to the sin, temptation of the sin. So it's very important that, you know, these things are not really black and white, and there's no real set stages like that, that, okay, there's a stage as a person rids themselves of outward sin, then comes the stage where a person rids himself of inward sin. Then comes the stage where a person feels love and nearness to Allah Santana. It's not so structured. And I think everyone, every human being knows this just by virtue of being a human. The human beings are much more complex than that. We are very complicated creations, you know. And in one sense, yes, human beings in son are the greatest of Allah Santana's creation. And in you know, part of that would also mean, necessarily, that we are the most complicated and complex and mysterious hmm, of Allah's Allah's creation. So complicated that sometimes people have difficulty understanding their own selves, and definitely so complex and complicated that we often have very a lot of difficulty understanding others, understanding those around us, even those who might be near to us, even sometimes those who are dear to us. Very complicated. Now, then it's this complicated creature called a human being and has iman and wants to become closer to Allah Sallallahu and begins the path of tazkiyah. Yes, this path of tazkiyah also can be complicated. All right? So one level, obviously, uh, there's one level of the presentation of Islam, which is also absolutely true and haq and must be the one that is emphasized when we do dawah. And that is that Islam is simple, and Islam is natural, and Islam is easy, right? But those of us who are already Muslim, 
and from the Muslimin, those of us who are trying to do our tazkiyah, trying to do islah, trying to attract Allah of mercy on us, that he does our tazkiyah and he does our islah. We're struggling and combating with the world, with our nafs, with sins, with people around us. We're living maybe in societies or families, interactions that are, you know, like tidal waves trying to push us, throw us, slam us back on the shore of our jahiliyyah, every time we try to swim out into the ocean of Allah's love. So yeah, those of us who are on this journey, we know that it's tough, and it is complicated, and it's complex. And that's why there's a reason these ulama mashayikh wrote so much. There's a reason why Ihal al-Muddin, Imam al-Ghazali al-Makala, wrote it in 40 different books. There's a reason why Shaykh Ashraf al-Tanbihim wa his, in Mawa'iz, his, discourses and orations are, you know, maybe a few dozen volumes, and his malkuzat, which means just his simple sayings he would utter, maybe just when sitting with even just two or three people, and he would speak for a few minutes, even that runs into a few dozen volumes. Because it's complicated. And in fact, if you just take this more recent example, of Sheikh Hoshif and Khan so the type of people who would present themselves in front of him were quite similar in nature. They didn't have a very extremely wide variety of people. They were all Indian, all Urdu-speaking, all belonging to the same sort of understanding or epistemology of Deen and of Deoband. And now, because we live in this global world, you know, the type of people, ulama and deal with, or even people like you and me, we encounter a wide range of background, cultural background, cultural memory, you know, not to go into academics, but I mean, that's it's interesting people talk about culture, is history, culture is also memory, culture is also time, culture is also space, culture is also language, but they were just trying to do with capture, there's so many complex things that go to an individual, so when that complex person tries to do their best care, it can sometimes be complicated, all right? So it's important to understand that it's not going to be in these clear-cut, regimented stages. I'll give you another example. You know, sometimes you will find, and you will find because I will tell you, I will find and I have found sentences, particular sentences, very specific things in the works of really authentic Mashaiq, of Tariqat, of Sussula, of Tasawwuf, leading in Mashaikh, even Oliya, Siddiqeen, Mittakeen, even the ones that Ibn Kamir Ta'ala praised in his Majmu'a Fatawa, sometimes you will find sentences that they say that don't make any sense whatsoever, or that run counter to our experience, counter to our observation. Sometimes even, they will outwardly appear, their outward meaning, their outward literal narrow meaning, let's say, but even have a sense in it that would appear to go against the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia. So I'll give an example. So there's a saying in some of the works of the Sobos, authentic works, right? So we're not talking about bogus, fraud, disorder, that's a totally separate thing. Because obviously, and there, in those types of works, you will find many statements, and those will be out, outrageous, not just puzzling or complicated, but outright outrageous, Okay. But in the authentic works of the soul, you might come across a sentence such as the one as follows 
And it's important. Uh, I want to give an explanation and you know try to share our understanding of it with our listeners and friends. So the statement is what? Al-Sani la yurad. And it's very, it's important how you read actually the Arabic as well, the inflection of the Arab. So Al-Sani la yurad. Al-Sani, so Sani means the person who attains Sana, means the person who truly drowns completely in their love for Allah subhanahu wa La yurad doesn't mean that they will never return. You know, when people talk about the point of no return, La yurad means they will not be returned. It means that Allah Taala will not allow them to go back. So this is a good example to understand, right? So what I was talking about, about leaving sin and having love for Allah Taala, nearness to Him, you know, warmth in your heart and fluttering of emotions when you read Quran or hear Adhan or learn Sirah or study Hadith or even hear Rumi or make zikr of Allah Taala. How can these two things coincide, and will that ever end, right? And I will come back to this topic again, uh, because that's the theme for tonight, inshallah. But I just want to go talk about this sentence first. Now, the first mistake some people make when they try to critically analyze the statement is they mistranslate it that, oh, this is suggesting that a person who gets fana in zikr once means that they get a level of focus and concentration and zikr, such that they only remember Allah subhanahu wa and they forget everything else, which is the purpose of zikr, right? Then they will never, ever be able to go back to sin. But that's not what this sentence means. First of all, let's start with the second part, that they will never be able to go back to sin. No, la yurad means Allah subhanahu will never return them to sin. It's what we call majul. Uh, they will never be allowed to return to sin by Allah. Okay? They, they themselves, they can easily return to sin. Easily. But they won't be allowed to return from Allah Sultan. Now, the second part, strictly speaking, an absolute sense of yaqeen, that is only the state of the anbiya, and that's called become, being masum, or it's now and it's called isma, the isma, isma al anbiya, that the Anbiya, the Prophets and Messengers, Alayhim As-Salam, Ajma'in, and with us, peace and blessings be on each and every single one of them, and upon our beloved Nabi Yadrim, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they're all masum, they're infallible, in terms that they can never make an error that equals sin. They can make an error in judgment, they can make an error in decision, Allah Subhanahu Wa will then correct them in Quranic or extra-Quranic revelation, or in the case of earlier Prophets, scriptural or extra-scriptural revelation, they can make errors and mistakes and lapses, right? But they cannot sin. They and cannot sin. Not that Allah won't let them return to sin. Allah SWT has made them that they themselves cannot return to sin. That's muscle. That they themselves cannot commit sin. Nobody other than a Nabi is like that. So there's a person, and we'll come back to the first part, what does Sani really mean? If there's a person who has taqwa, who has sunnah, who has zikr, who has ibadah, who's following sharia, who's worked on their taqya, who's made dua to Allah, who's, you know, really, truly following the sunnah, not just an outward sense, right? And, you know, and they're following the letter and the spirit of the sunnah, you know? 
Uh, maybe I should explain this, right? Because in a lot of us, we have men have beards and women wear niqab, and it's just about the outward form, you know. There are people who go on hubs 20, 30, 40, 50 times in the year. It's not just about outward acts. They truly have inner taqwan, inner hayat. And alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has blessed this ummah. Even now, there are people who are mistaken and salamin in the ummah. And when I said that they saw the letter and spirit of the summa used, it's hard to explain this in words. It's something that a person can feel more palpably. Let me maybe give one or two examples. Right? And so this is important. So we have to understand. Uh, so let's take the example of the hajjah, right? So the letter of the hajjah is to pray some salah. You know, and there are different ways the Fuqab described it, maybe after half the night and last of the night, any nafas salah between Isha and Fajr, some definitions are wider, more broad, more encompassing than others. Let's even take, let's take this one last of the night, okay? All right, so that's the letter. Uh, you know, I remember once there was a student of ours that told us uh, about their father, and that their father had been praying to Hanjin for over 20 years, and the last of the night, and they would get up before Fajr Adam and they would pray Tajit Salah. All right? But that father was abusive uh, verbally, physically. That father was constantly engaging in interest uh, transactions for property. And this person couldn't understand that. I don't understand. How can a person pray Tajit do this? Right? And when you inquire a bit more about their Tajit, he would find out that it was two and four rakat of the fastest speed whatsoever. And there are some people like that. Well, mashallah, they actually, you can say, they pray tender for like 30 years, past 30 years of their life. But they pray in five minutes or less. Now, what does that mean? It's a dangerous thing. That's not the spirit of the sunnah. Because the Prophet, some friends, the hajj wasn't just to be present at that time. It was a prayer of reflection, of longing, of yearning. I'm not talking about those people who are young or new seekers who have just started praying Tajjid. So for those of us who have just started praying, and yes, for us, it's a good deal just to wake up and offer two accounts and four accounts. But somebody who's been doing this for, let's say, 10 or more years, right? So they have to then go all the way and attain the real spirit of the Sunnah, which is so recitation and how do and if they're hafiz, if a person is a hafiz and they pray, you know, two minutes to hajjus, uh, then that shows you there's something wrong. And it's not the spirit. And that was the case with that student's father, the student's father. What happened is that some people, they actually even do some good deed. And that's just an example. Maybe they get charity. Maybe they're a member of a masjid committee. They do some good deed in order to feel good about themselves in order to feel that they're religiously accomplished, or even, and that's called Ujjah, or even worse, and sometimes along with the Ujjah, or additionally or separately, they do it so that others will think of them as accomplished. That's called Riyadh. So then, when you have Ujjah and Riyadh, it's not the spirit of the Sunnah, even though it's the outward form of the Sunnah. You know, when I was uh, newly introduced to Islam, there was a sheikh who passed away now, so I won't take his name, but he had the hugest of turbans and a beard, you know, that you know almost reached his waist. And, you know, all types of colorful, sufi clothing. 
And initially, you know, especially people in America, you know, they were really impressed by this. But then as you mature and you're dean, you realize that this is just an outward sentence. It's a Meshava. And then as you mature and progress even more in being, you realize that no, this is actually a display of a gimmick, right? So what I was explaining was that there are people who are truly Salahim and Mithikim, which means they have outward compliance of Zahir and Batin. In this sense, go back to that I will do Zahir Ikhlim Batina. In Batin, they had the inner, they had the true spirit of the Sunnah and spirit of the Sharia in them. And yes, there are people who actually don't sin. But unlike the Anbiya, who did not sin because they could not sin, Masum, these people can sin. And they and they know that and they're aware of that, therefore they never give themselves the certificate of taqwa. Rather they remain fearful all the way until death overcomes them. And this is the story and the common thing you will hear about from Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala mind. The Kibar, the senior most of the Tabin and Tabai Tabin, and the great authentic classical Mufassirin, Mandesin, Fukaha, Usulin, Oliyai, Kamalin, Masayif, Etrikat, all of them you will see that they feared Allah Ta'ala right up until the moment they died. So their state is like that. Why? Because they know they can't sin. It's very different. Very different from India. They know that they can't sin. And secondly, they'll never know this. No one can know this about themselves that Allah Ta'ala has chosen not to let them return to sin. Meaning Allah Ta'ala has given them his special protection. Like Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, that indeed these are the special, beloved, intimate, near, dear companions to Allah Ta'ala, and there will be no fear on them, and now will they ever grieve. No hope and no hope. And that, you know, that's a whole long to fear, but it includes this, that they don't have any fear from shaitan and nobody will enough ever be able to trick them into doing anything that will cause them sorrow. But nobody will ever know this about themselves. And so they will always have fear. And plus, they will honestly acknowledge in themselves that they still have their religious sin. So this kid doesn't mean that I'm going to reach this level that now, yes, there will be some day that either I will feel about myself and my sheikh will attest to me, oh, I have gushed and I have ilham, that now lust is taken out of you, or greed is taken out of you, or anger is taken out of you, or there's some particular zikr I will do where I will lose these things. No, 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 it's not like that. That's an exaggeration. Yes, there is some zikr a person can do, about that a person can do, that a person won't act on these feelings anymore that those things won't be valid on the person anymore, that the nafs won't become a mara on the person anymore. All right? But even then, the person will never know because they will see in themselves the ability to stay any time. They see in themselves the ability to reverse in any time. And the reality is, this isn't some high Sufi teaching or high Sufi level. Every person, if any person stays away from anything, it's not because of them. It's only because Allah Ta'ala protected them from doing that sin. So there isn't some high-level, super-wilized category called Mahfouz that they protected. No. Any person, if 
any one of the listeners today did not sin today. It's not because of them. Remember, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Remember, alhamdulillahi rabbin adameen. That there is no might or power that I have to do any good deeds or fear from sin except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All praises unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa tawfiqi illa billah. I have no ability or success to do anything except that it's meant to me by Allah subhanahu wa So actually, any time any person doesn't do sin, it's because Allah Ta'ala didn't allow them to return to sin. So that's the concept of La Yurat. So does it mean that there's a point of no return and the person has reached it, and then we put them on a pedestal and then they get stunned? How do they return? It's not like that. Allah Ta'ala protects the person. Look, any one of us, maybe somebody has prayed Salah for three years, four years, and never missed one. And then one day after four years, they miss Fajr Salam. So what happened? They're the same person. Their sifat, attributes, skills, talents, devotion, zikr, taqwa, haya, sunnah, ilm, all of it is the same. Because Allah Ta'ala let them drop. Sometimes just to remind them, you know, maybe they were getting this self-delusion. It's a very, very dangerous thing. Harur, this self-delusion deception that they were something. And because there was something, they were not missing their salah. Allah Ta'ala sometimes pierces them, all right? So everybody and anybody who stays away from any sin or everything is because of la yurad, because Allah Ta'ala didn't allow them to return to sin, right? And no one can ever claim this about themselves, absolutely. No one will attain this, absolutely. And Sami, Sami means, really, in that sense we have to understand, Sami was a word coined by the Messiah to explain explain, or to describe, not explain, maybe to describe, describe like a tag, right? To describe that person. And it's not just in zikr, or one particular method of zikr. No, no, no. This is called fanafi deen. It's not fanafi salawat, or fanafi muakabah, or fanafi nalafu, or fanafi tajud. It's fanafi deen. It means a person who has given their entire life to all the deen, salat al-mustaqeem, Quran, Sunnah, Shariat al-Azim, Shariat al-Uzma, everything. They've given everything to deen. Such that they're drowning in deen, their whole life is for deen. In the Hayati, the Mamati, no, my life, my death, my rights, my rituals, everything is for deen. So yes, then there might be a person like that, that Allah won't let them return. Allah won't let them return to kufr. Otherwise, who are we? Hmm? Who are we? We are so weak, maybe just even a single encounter with a single Christian priest would have made us attracted to Christianity. Maybe a single encounter with a single Hindu yogi, Hindu, what is it, Hindu yogi, would have attracted us to shirk, polytheism. We are nothing. If our iman is still with us, intact, if any, and, and you see that in times of fitna, how people fall. Women lose their niqab, Men lose their fajr salah with janah. Because well, what is it? Because they thought there was something. And they weren't. Right? It's only Allah found out hidayah, his hifaza, his kinaya, in his bestowal, his grace, his generosity, his protection, his guidance, his rahmah, his mercy on any of us. Right? But yes, certainly if a person gives their very life and be all to deen, 
then it is hoped that Allah found Allah will accept that from them if they had ikhlas and they did a mukhlasin Allah did truly only for the sake of Allah Subhanahu they were free from all self delusion they were free from doing things just as a custom or to feel good about themselves they were free from doing things for show or display to others they were free from all types of frauding other people they were free from all they were truly khalis and mukhlas and obviously all of us think and hope that Allah Ta'ala would protect such a person. But none of us can think that about ourselves, that we are protected in such a way. All right? And how does this relate to what I, what I said in the beginning? Because Al-Fani doesn't then mean that, well, I don't understand what happened. I spent one Ramadan or one night in the Dikaf, or, you know, a woman says, I cried so much on 27th night, I went to Umbar, I went to Hajj, or... I did one tawaf, or I even prayed one salat home, and I felt so deeply close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I heard Rumi, and my heart was drowning in love of Allah and then still, I ended up in sin. But these two things will coincide for a long time. And that's why, you know, you, 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 that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps even describing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Bring glad tidings and a warner. Glad tidings and a warner. Allah SWT himself in Qur'an al-Karim adopts a usloob, a style of rhetoric and presentation in Qur'an, telling the believers about Jannah and the reward that is promised to them if they believe and do righteous works and good deeds, and also threatening them and with a torment of azab al-alim, azab al-alim, of intense punishment, tremendous punishment, painful punishment, if they, if they disbelieve. Uh, is even if they're for the believers, even if they disobey in some verses, right? So why? Because both aspects of this are there. Both aspects in. And so for the part of us that is inclined towards good, that's why you need those feelings. So don't feel that, no, I'm a hypocrite, I still sin, so who am I to do zikr? Who am I to listen about love for Allah, Salaam Allah? Who am I to study ilm of deen? Who am I to learn hadith of the fear? No, you have to do that. All of that stuff, all of the ilm and zikr and ishq and feelings and all of that, you need all of that to ignite and inspire your good side. And now your bad side is going to take a long time to go away. And it's never really going to go away. It's just going to take a long time to make it quiet and take a back seat. And for that, you need fear of Allah subhanahu wa You need humility. You need ikhlas. And this, and this is why you need a shaykh for both. And this is really, and this is, it's such a tragedy because there's so many false shiurs and so many false souls out there that people then get shy and they shy away from the true tzadkiyah and true tzadkiyah. And this has been a problem probably since the very beginning of time, beginning of the history of the Ummah, right? And it's so sad because then people miss out from this extremely beneficial thing. Because the shaykh is the one. So yes, he will give you a bayan and love for the sponsor, his type poetry, will teach you the zikr that will make you feel like you're fine. And then he will also reprimand you, or discipline you, or guide you in your tazkiyah, and, you know, what our mashayikh, especially of him, used to love to use the great islah, that they will, you know, what they meant is that they'll take out, a, you know, pencil and edit you. They will... They can highlight her and edit you. They will reform you. They will correct you. Right? But they say, on the rogue talk, they will 
scold you, reprimand you gently. They will nudge you. They will push you. They will try to motivate you and push you. And these are good things. You know? That's a good thing. That's actually the sunnah of the da'i. Is the sunnah of every da'i, mudaki, mu'allim, mudabbi is to do all of those things of tazkiyah, da'wah, tarbiyah, etc. The way Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa did it. It doesn't mean that the person becomes the Prophet. Na'udhubillah. The person becomes anything like the Prophet. Na'udhubillah. The Prophet thinks I'm the Prophet and my students for Sahaba. Not like that. But it's sunnah. How else is any ustad is going to teach? He should try to find out, well, how did my Prophet teach? That I want to teach going to the sunnah. If anybody is going to try to help someone to give them the fear, you want to find out from Hadith how the Prophet can give the fear, it's sunnah. If anybody can try to keep the skia or Islam with someone, they want to find out how did the Prophet also do it because it's sunnah. If someone else says dawah, literally the true call of dawah, when you call to Imam, to the faithless, to the people who don't have Imam, they have to find out how all of the Prophets of Imam, Islam, and Jemaine, and the Deuterim, some of them did it because that's sunnah. Right? And so the sunnah way includes both. And a lot of us are going to have both, right? So it's not some clear stage that first I'm going to walk away on my sins, then I will feel ecstatic love and rapture and joy and ibadah. And if I feel it now, I must be a hypocrite. And how do I feel it and end up in sin? It's a long goal and a long task. One important thing, I'm sort of running out of time here, a lot of things to say on this topic, but... Uh, Another important thing I wouldn't do, maybe I'll skip a couple of things I have to say and come to a very important thing, and that is that to leave sin in the bottom, that's really where the battle will occur, all right? Because the feelings that you get of love and goodness and joy and ecstasy and rapture and closeness and nearness and attraction to Allah, 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 and Allah, and Allah, these are all words in Quran, right? Those are all things in the bottom in our inner self and in the same inner self which is again the real tug of war takes place in the bucket the world won't see that the world sees you Zahir Zahir we may be very outwardly pious and you know I mean that's the nature of the times you know even an ordinary average believer will appear like a great alim or sheikh or loving today but in the bottom there's a tug of war that will take place because, and, and you will experience this, and some of you may have already experienced this, that in your bhaktan, there will be a tug of war. And I've seen that in so many people in the past couple of years. That in their bhaktan, they had at some point in their life, they did have love for Allah subhanahu wa love for Rasulullah sallallahu extremely intense emotions and feelings and spiritual feelings. And they stood up at all the Nabiyakarim, some of them were some who maybe they stared at the Kaaba for the first time in their life, or they made the law, or they were on Arafah, or they fasted on the Bahama, so many things. They didn't have that. At the same time in their bottom, and sometimes actually like, in, like symmetry, equally intense, as intense as those good feelings were, they also got such a strong tug of war that they were intense feelings, intense extreme, extreme shameful lust for them, extreme greed and desire to amass wealth in this world, extreme love for the self and vanity and conceit, extreme self-delusion, extreme show and ostentation, 
extreme manipulation of others. Any or all of the above. But this happens. This is this process. It's a process. And this is, you know, and that's, uh, and you know, everybody will go through this at different levels and different ways and, you know, to a different extent for shorter or longer durations. It's again, like it's very, like I said it again, very complex, very complicated. Wide, intensely vast range of experience believing humanity has gone through and this Ummah has gone through. Hmm? But it will be a tiger horn the button. And in that time, your lifeline is your good feelings. And if people make this mistake, and this is really what I, what I said is an important thing I want to make sure to say tonight, is that when people make this mistake because they see the rot in their button just there, and they see these attractions or temptations to sin if they fall into the incorrect understanding that, okay, this is some type of hypocrisy, or it's, it's just another misunderstanding, which is even more prevalent, or, or I'm just not ready for this. Clearly, I'm not ready to handle that zikr or those feelings or this illness because look, look at these negative emotions and things that are coming in my body. So maybe I'm ready for that. Maybe that was too intense for me. The good stuff, they're talking about the good stuff now. Instead of thinking, why is the bad stuff happening so intense in me? And that they accept as their human weakness, right? But it's about the good stuff. And maybe that was too intense, or maybe that is too much, or maybe I should just back off, or maybe I should cool down, or maybe I should take a break, or love, or whatever. And you imagine in the tug of war, and so there's hundreds of people on this side, hundred people on that side, and there's a tug of war, it's a big stalemate. And they just tell all, they tell their own hundred people, you just go, then maybe I wasn't, you know, supposed to win. But you tell me what happened in the before, then it's over. <laughs> and the bad side was just yank this person. Hmm? Well, they'll make him go airborne, she'll go flying. The car will come off, and this will happen, and love will put together. Hmm? People don't realize. Hmm? So at any time you feel about any type of war, any time you feel that you have to hold on even more steadfast to the dini feeling, the spiritual feeling, the memory of that, the culture, the memory of it, the place of it, the time of it, the people of it, the context of it, you have to hold on to that. That's your lifeline. And you can never let yourself fall into apathy or disinterest or become lax. And worst of all, it's obvious you can never do. Never will protect me and you and all of us. And never fall into this stuff and try to justify it. But no, no, I've taken a really deep, after much reflection and deep consideration and investigation, I've decided to leave this, you know, uh, zikr, leave Nikab, leave leave to Hajjah, leave Ilm, leave this, leave that, whatever, all the good that they had in them. Without even realizing that Shaitan's crowning achievement, that it makes a person leave the good that they had.
uh, both in their zahir and their batin, and makes them think that they're leaving it is good. Allah hmm? Akbar, because this is exactly the fifth nature he had. He left all the good that he had, which was his ibadah, his closeness to Allah Taala. He left all the good that he had, that he was able to, he was called by Allah to the assembly of the angels. He was allowed by Allah to gaze upon Allah He heard kalam Allah, he heard Allah speech, noble, blessed, divine speech and words, kalam Allah. And he left all of that good, all of that, only to adopt enmity towards Sayyidina Adam salam and Bani Adam and all of Insan. And he thinks that this was the right thing to do and justifies it himself. Hmm? So this is the shaitani nisbah, really, uh, that a person leaves good and feels justified in doing so. So this was the second thing, and we made the other to protect us from all of this. And I just repeat what I said in the beginning, that only Allah Sponsor can protect any and every one of us from sin, and we may constantly feel this battle in us we must hold on and increase any and every good that Allah has ever given us tawfiq to do in the hope that well, by the time we die and always have fear until that moment but with the hope that if we keep struggling and trying that by the time we die inshallah Allah will make the khair of Allah and the maybe raises us that will make the virtue predominant over the evil in us and he will raise us amongst the virtuous ones any among those in Quran whom he has called the Salihin and Mutakin, Allah Majamma and the Salihin and Mutakin, Ta'afi and Da'awana, and Alhamdulillah, he didn't get found.